Red Rising. Uh, gold Man in disguise. <laughs> I Welcome to About Bloody Time, the show where we get thrown into a mine, meet a grumpy man named Will, fall in love, then dig us all out to freedom. What are you on about? <laughs> That's the plot of Red Rising, isn't it? Really, though, today the episode is where I suggested me before you two, Merlin, and Merlin suggested Red Rising to me. I've been dying yeah. for this episode. You've been uh, mentioning Red Rising in every episode. Just a few times. Hmm. And you've always danced around the fact that you don't want to say it because it's spoilers. And now I've read it. You don't have to worry about that. Well, I do, because I've got to try not to spoil the next books now, haven't I? Oh, God. So, Merlin. This is my favourite book. Go gentle on me. I tend to prefer books with a bit more violence in them, I suppose. Like high stakes and stuff. But saying that, it's not a bad book. Um, And I really did enjoy a few bits of it. I have two favourite bits. So the first bit is when they go to the classical music concert. Lou's reaction to it not she went into it thinking it was just going to be like stuffy and horrible but the way she got into the music and was moved by it all and I could almost imagine myself being there and I like it and I could imagine sitting there and having music like sweep me away in that in that sense I figured that yours would be like if you were going to go with the classical concert that you would go for the bit where he's like Ah, uh, you made me remember. This is one of my favorite bits as well. But I'm, I've got so many. Um, <laughs> where he was like, "Don't go. Can we not go in yet? I just want to be in like a normal man who's gone to a co- like." She kind of brought brought back a part of his history that he hasn't had in a while. Yeah, I liked that bit as well. I liked the whole scene, and also where they're when she's trying on dresses and stuff and she keeps coming out and the boy's just like, no, no, (laughs) no, that one. It was a nice sort of balance of serious stuff with comic relief. Yeah. I think the next part for me that I really enjoyed was when they're lying in bed and they're listening and watching the storm um, outside. I really liked that. I like the idea that it's in this sort of tropical environment as well. So you're not just all, as much as I like being snuggled up with like tea and books and listening to a storm. It was quite nice to imagine it happening like with the beach and the sea there. Yeah, it's the kind of storm that you would happily, if it didn't kill you, happily run out into. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't like gross and cold. It was just quite exhilarating and nice. I just, I really liked that scene. Just the whole idea of it. But my, my favourite bit regarding that holiday, I'm assuming it's the Maldives, um, was, the bit, was the fact that they were all acting their age, though. They were acting like normal, young, 20-year-olds. Nate was having flings. They were flirt- um, like they were all teasing him for it. And 
Um, Will's like, oh, you can have a, another drink, Lou. And Lou's like, oh, I'm so excited. This is my first holiday. And then she gets absolutely slaughtered. Another bit that was, re- like, another part of that is a sad part was when he told her that he's not, he's not going to give up his plan. I because... quite liked that it wasn't a cliche. I know that's a really sad bit, but I was actually really happy with the way it was done. Yeah. If you see the film, though, they acted that spectacularly. And actually, as a part of that, what did you think of the maze, which was not in the film? I'm so surprised that wasn't in the film, because I thought that was a really integral part of the story. Me too. It's like a turning point. It is. I have mixed feelings about it. Mm. I thought it was handled really well and it wasn't used as like a shock factor or anything. No, it was underlying throughout everything. The only thing I didn't really like about that is using like Lou's quirkiness as a way to hide herself away. Yeah. Because I I quite liked that she was just quirky because she could be. But now she's using it as like a defence mechanism. No. Um, So what was your worst bit? after talking about the maze which was traumatic definitely Patrick yeah anything with Patrick in it he was Irish in the audiobook northern India wait he's Neville Longbottom in the film yes he is he gave up beer for this role god yeah (laughs) what about Patrick did you hate most and he was like such a knob it's yeah. when he won't talk to Louisa when she's just trying she's trying to have a conversation. He's like, oh, I'm going to go on my bike ride or do a bit of running. And Oh, yeah. And that's actually one of my, one of my worst bits was when um, Louisa ends up moving. I can't remember why she moves out. I think he gets jealous and he invites her to live with him and she's really excited and blind to it all. Yeah, but he's making out that he's doing it because she's moaning about Trina. And because she doesn't want to yeah. make her parents have to sleep downstairs, but it's 100% jealousy. Yeah, definitely, because it only happens after he finds out that she was going to take Will on holiday. You know, the planned holiday that happened be- that was going to happen before he got pneumonia, mm. which was supposed to be like an adventure holiday with the jacuzzis under the stars. Uh, she went on the forums, didn't she? And she found, yes. like... Uh, parachuting and stuff like that. Patrick saw it is just her spiting him because she quit her holiday with him, which was his holiday. Oh, it just sounded going... horrific. So that's my worst. Nathan. Nathan's, I've got to say, he's probably my favourite character of the lot. Yeah, he's really good. I like him. You get some uh, prize moments in the third book because he's more prominent in that. You know, you I never really get... liked him because he's just normal, isn't he? He's normal with Will and he's normal with Louisa. He just seems like a nice, like a genuinely you... nice character. Yeah, my favourite character is probably either, well, Nathan is my favourite side character, but my favourite character has to be either Lou or Will. And I was good, I had to choose, but I can't. I genuinely can't. I don't think they'd be as interesting without the other. No. No, they wouldn't be. Because they're both, you know, complicated. Lou didn't seem complicated at all until, you know, your maze. But 
Will's complicated just because of his situation and you don't know anything. I don't think you even, you know that he was a bad boy, but you don't know much about his life. Even in the second book, which reveals a lot more about him, um, you don't that's know. Because that was something him. I was going to mention. It's his backstory is non-existent in the first book. Well, he has a backstory. It's just not brought up. And I like that because it's unlike your stories. I'm not going <laughs> to. People don't in in this book, people don't have to uh, tell everyone everything immediately. <laughs> it's just implied. Most people in the real world don't go up to someone and go, you, I'm going to tell you about how I unless you're me. I'm going to tell you about I, I how was I lost my tooth when I was 12. just going to say that. <laughs> Yeah, I'm an <laughs> exception, not the rule. <laughs> but yeah, I, I actually quite like that. So who is your worst character? And I'm guessing who? It's Patrick. Of course yeah. it's Patrick. And also, when you were talking about worst moments, I remembered the worst moment. Oh no, what is that? Patrick tells the press about what Will's <gasps> going to do. And they oh all my turn gosh, up I at the, that. They all turn up at the Clark household, don't they? Oh my god, I forgot how all about that. How could you? I know he's not real, but how could you do that to somebody? Oh my god. It's just the he's the worst. I forgot Can I all just about say, that. though, that Lou's very judgmental towards other women. Yeah, probably. Like, Literally very, every very. woman he every woman she's met, she's had some qualm with. You know, she's one of those sisters that has probably slept in the same bedroom with her sister she's got that vibe sisters who used to sleep in the same bedroom kind of yeah. vibe that was kind um, of my main problem with her relationship with trina is the way she talks about trina getting pregnant and yeah. she's very blamey and accusatory i actually quite like that because she's resentful for tina trina because she's the favorite daughter um trina's clearly the favorite daughter and yet when she makes mistakes, everyone forgives her. But when Lou makes mistakes, they make fun of her. She's the joke of the family. And I do understand that. I And I know some siblings are very resentful of each other. It's just I couldn't imagine it. And I know, I'm, I think, I know everyone's different. But to me, it just seemed very, like, how can you think of your sister in that way? I think the maze and, so the maze in the book helps helps the situation a lot more and the fact that Trina helps her escape basically um, mm. her mum's prison um, but also in the film there are a lot more I think the film was Jojo Moyes you know her fixing some of the mistakes she made in the book I'm just I'm still resentful for the fact that she missed out the maze which is a very pivotal point of her relationship with Will, her relationship with herself, and her relationship with Trina. I feel it like is. that should have, yeah, that should have stayed. I'm very surprised it was cut out. If you gave me a list and said you've got to choose, like, the most important bits of the book to go into the film, that probably would have been the top, or at least very close. Now, I had this idea looking at that. If they did a second book... No, second film, um, the film with the book, second book. They could have flashbacks involving the moments that they did cut out. 
because that's a good point it would also put will more in the forefront again because if they completely didn't have any flashbacks or any sign of will there it wouldn't have the same effect as it would show her grief in a more film friendly way because the second one's all about tackling her grief her memories of will mm-hmm. and something that happens during her grieving period some someone appears in her life that she doesn't really want there but I think you're right with that and a lot of people well I say a lot of people there are people that aren't able to read between the the lines and do need it spelled out a bit more forcefully for them so having flashbacks like that would really help I just remembered my favorite ever moment go for it the tattoos the tattoo moment they they didn't get a tattoo of each other or the of each other's names they weren't in love at this point they were two idiot friends shared experience wasn't it yeah Two idiot friends ticking something off their bucket lists. Uh, Lou attacking something she was scared of and finding that she actually has these little things she really loves and she constantly refers to herself as um, the B girl or something afterwards. Like I, that's her I can see why you liked it. I was just a bit like, okay then, and moved on. Oh, it's a poignant moment, I think. Mostly because I really wanted him to get a cool tattoo and his was just best before. I think it's just a, um, it, it's it's a, a joke on his, it's his sense of humour and I think that reflects yeah. him quite well. He's that type of person. Lots of people in wheelchairs do tend to get that grim witticism about them. So they're like, <laughs> I'm broken. And it's like, that's not funny. You shouldn't be joking about that. There is that. But it makes people awkward, and I think some people thrive on that. And that's what that tattoo does. So what's your overall opinion, I think? Okay, so... Damn it. (laughs) I've got (laughs) to stop doing that. (laughs) I don't mind. It helps me cut it up. Thank you. I really enjoyed lose growth throughout the book just the way I thought I was going to hate the book from the first page where she's telling you the number of steps between her bus stop and the front door Mm. I had a horrible feeling that it was going to continue like that Um, (laughs) luckily they only hung around for a few pages (laughs) so I quite liked that I liked seeing how she was becoming more organized getting these trips together for Will and how she was researching everything and putting everything together yeah also her growth from keeping everything so hidden in terms of the maze and everything to telling Will and accepting what happened and moving past it not letting it shadow her anymore yeah I I just love how um this book is actually about how well it's called me before you and it's about the louisa clark that existed before she met will and then moments that will's made her open her eyes to certain things i think that's probably why her relationship with trina was actually quite bad because she did she had her eyes shut basically to all these things she was resentful 
like she was sweet and everything, but she was resentful of a lot of the things in her life. And Will's like, take another look at it. Just take another look and I'll help you fix the rest. Yeah, and I think it it was like that as well. He was a really positive factor for her. Especially with Patrick. We're going to mention him again. But um, he, she, Will managed to show her that the relationship she had with Patrick wasn't healthy. No. A relationship is built on shared interests or a respect of each other's interests. And if neither of you have, you know, a care for each other's interests, then you shouldn't really be together. No, and that was quite an important thing. There's not much that's right about him, let's be honest. No, except the fact that he's Neville Longbottom. That's something that can be right about him. Yeah. I think you're going to tell me off for this. Oh, no. But I didn't get emotional at all throughout the book, even the ending. I'm going to make you watch the movie. I don't think I'll get emotional through that either. I don't care. You're going to watch Sam Claflin and Amelia Clark cry their hearts out. Okay. But I just, I kind of read it. I really liked that they ended it, or Jojo ended it, with Will just asking for his family to be brought back in. I liked that, that they didn't have this whole scene where he was, where he'd taken the drugs and she was crying over him as he slipped away, that kind of thing. We're going to have a, an episode about comparing books to their film counterparts in the future, but um, while we're here, I might as well say I preferred the Dignitas they showed in the film than the Dignitas they showed in the book. Oh, it sounded so grim. Yeah. I was like, surely like, that's not what Dignitas is like. I don't know. It's all I... loud out there, and she made it sound like it was some back alley on the industrial estate. Yeah, I don't know it where Jojo Moyes was going with it but in the film I think I prefer the film just for certain bits it's more modern and it's got a more accepting point of view and also um, I prefer the book for the missing scenes you know like the tattoo and the I like that you've got that you've got this whole story woven together from the two different formats I don't know the difference between a scene that was in the film and the scene that wasn't. You actually had to remind me that the maze wasn't in the film. I just can I can believe that when you told me. So, how many stars out of five would you rate the first Me Before You book by Jojo I gave it three stars. How oh, dare you? It was... It had its good parts and it had its bad parts. And to be honest, they weren't even really that bad. I just found it quite predictable. Mm. In parts, not all of it. Um, but what I really liked about the whole story is that it wasn't, it didn't end up with some big cliche. Lou falling in love with Will and Will reciprocating. It didn't fix him. It didn't make him want to live or redeem him in any way. Mm. And I liked that. Because yeah. I was so worried that it was going to be like, woo, I'm in love now, I'm going to live. Yeah, that's not how depression works, is it? No. That's actually, it's a really good insight into real, like, the effects of depression and mental health. I think a lot of the books that we like are 
all based on mental health, except Red Rising. <laughs> oh no, Red Rising is very much based on mental health. No, it isn't. It's a ben- it's based on mental health. <laughs> <laughs> Two different things. <laughs> I, I, I liked it because it could have been, I thought that he was going to end up saying, I want to live and then get ill and die. So, That's I knew awful. he was gonna die. I knew he was gonna die, but I thought he, he, the whole thing was gonna be him going, "Yes, I've decided I want to live," and then him catch something and die. Your fan, like if you were a fan fiction, you would kill everyone. That's why I don't write. Because uh, everything I write turns out very, very dark. That was horrific. I don't, I don't want. I don't want to know you anymore. You kill. <laughs> You killing Will Trainer off after he decides to live. That's brutal. I thought that was what was going to happen. No. It didn't, though, did it? No. But as I said, it's not really my cup of tea. And from what I thought was going to happen, you can probably see why. And I think just by having read Red Rising, you know why Me Before You wasn't necessarily my thing. You and I are very different people. <laughs> exceptionally different I have very diverse tastes I have to say but the comparison between these two books is teetering on a knife edge it's very jarring isn't it there's very little you can say is the theme of this episode (laughs) that's been my theme this whole month everything I read has been practically the opposite of what I read before I read me before you and then a book on forensic anthropology Yeah, you're a freak, and okay, I read Red Rising and a book from Karama and The Lay of Marie de France. Yeah, see, we're both doing very random books this month. It's painful. The Lay of Marie de France, don't do it. Don't do it to yourself, mate. (laughs) Uh, Anyway. I I have to ask you, how many stars? Oh, 32. Okay, the moment I've been dying for Red Rising Live. Well, from your initial text, I thought I was going to strangle you. But then <laughs> you quite liked the book, so now I'm happy. So I suppose in order to explain, we should probably start with our best and worst moments. I think we should start with the worst, then the best. Well, that's how the book started, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Um yeah, no, the worst bit the worst bit in the entire book happened to be the very beginning of the book. The thing that if I had picked that up on, on my own volition would have made me put that thing right back down. <laughs> I'm gonna call it the context overload, where he's fluffing about himself, where he's talking nonstop about how fast his fingers are, the little pervert. Um <laughs> can see why Leo uh, married him. <laughs> oh god. If he just cut out that massive chunk, just put the action in, we would see that for ourselves in the future scenes or have little drips and drops of that information. You don't need to front load the book. But I know why he did it. At the time, I didn't see it as being a writer who was overexcited. I saw it as someone who was up himself just trying to get all this information out for you. You really, really didn't like it. And I thought you were going to hate the book and that you were just ripping it to shreds. But then slowly the text started getting nicer and I was like, oh, it's okay. I don't have to kill her now. It 
did help though that I started I think it's a thing with me if I don't have a character in mind or a face in mind I tend to have no attachment to the characters or the story and that's why I kind of nah but also the start was pretty darn bad well I have to agree with you the start of the book is the worst part for me as well and I read it and I almost put it down and I don't I don't discontinue reading books lightly but then it picked up he's really obsessed with those little digits he's got weird nubblies and I don't like it (laughs) (laughs) what redeemed Darrow for you from the little red red dude in the mines the thing that redeemed me uh, him to me was the flogging he didn't do what old Numpty from Name of the Wind, old old Gary Stu from Name of the Wind did, um, and didn't go, oh, I didn't cry. He said, I don't know if I cried. I don't know if this happened. It was so painful. It kind of matures him in a way. I mean, up until that point in the book, he's always telling you that he's a grown-up because he's married, because he does this job, and he just keeps repeating it over and over, but you're reading it, and you're like, you're a kid. Calm down. Because can I just say what my worst moment is? Pax. Oh. When he died, I was so sad. I was reading that bit and I was like, oh, oh, oh no, he's okay. Oh no, he's, oh God. And you were basically texting me the same thing. Yeah, it was in real time. I texted you, oh, he's okay. Oh wait, no, he's not. <laughs> <laughs> Poor Pax. He's just a big softy, isn't he? And he is the embodiment of a himbo. He, he's actually a character I really like. But um, my favourite moment has to be the moment where Darrow sings to Mustang in the cave. Of course it's your favourite moment. You texted me about that and I was really surprised that you liked I wrote, such a, a quiet, tender moment. Hey, Merlin, I'm a quiet, tender kind of guy. <laughs> I just thought you'd have enjoyed Severo's rampaging. No! I don't think you know me the way you think you do. <laughs> it, it's a good moment. And I think that's the point where I started liking Mustang too. Because he's, Darrow's letting his guard down. So I started letting my guard down. Same. I really didn't trust her. I think that's his first mature romance. Like his first adult situation. Not in a, um, a sexual or anything way. Because he's obviously had an adult relationship with Eo, which is disturbing. Um, but he he married Eo because she was his childhood crush and she was the prettiest girl in all the... And she gets what she wants, that kind of thing. Whereas... In, it was like prom king and prom queen, wasn't it? Yeah. He was the best hell diver, she was the prettiest. Yeah. And also he considered himself attractive too. So, of course they were going to get together, but in real life when he graduates into this red rising world of you know fighting golds and stuff his first person he chose himself to spend any time with to actually cultivate this relationship is mustang and it's not based on um adoration for each other or this childlike wonder she's just a gold to him at the very beginning and eventually he's like I really like her 
Well, she starts I, off as an enemy, doesn't she? Yeah. And she starts off mocking him. <laughs> yeah. But... Because he he has a bit of a dum-dum moment, doesn't he? Yeah. <laughs> He's actually a lot more likeable when you read on. So, what was my favourite scene? Probably anything to do with Severo. When you described him in the island episode of our podcast, mm-hmm. I had absolutely no idea that he was actually smart because nothing you said implied that he was intelligent. Well, <laughs> you I just said angry, little and ugly. <laughs> <laughs> and He's all those things, but he's also incredibly smart. And Darrow wouldn't have gotten as far as he did without Severo. I don't know how he won the guy over, but Severo liked him and adopted him. I think he see, he, he sees him the same way I think Titus saw Darrow, through his facade. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, when I, when I first saw Severo, I, I, I didn't even know it was Severo, because the way you described him was completely different. Because <laughs> there was this little guy, and he was an assassin, and he was intelligent, and I was like, He's got some diction on him, man. I think he's going to die. And then he said Severo, and I was like, oh, Christ, that's Severo. Severo was behaving himself at that point, though. Yeah, but I imagine him as being that, like, dumpy red thing from uh, Cow and Chicken, but with wings. (laughs) Just a little one. A very little one. Dumpy red devil with little wings that shouldn't carry his body, but does. I quite like, I think Severo would like to see himself as that as well. I actually like uh, the way this is done far more than, you know, Hunger Games. Not writing-wise necessarily, but immersion-wise. It's so much more immersive. There's so much more that can happen because it's not just stuck in one arena. It's like they've taken them to a, a whole different country or whatever. Same planet, I think. Yeah, it's still Same. Mars. Yeah. But it's like they've thrown them up to the top of Scotland, for example. They call it the Highlands, don't they? They do, and that's how I've always imagined it. I can imagine them being at their castle, green rolling hills, and still being unable to see the castle of their nearest enemy. Yes, because there that's... is quite a bit of travel between each place. The world building, at least, is better than the Hunger Games. That is high praise, and I'm very pleased that you've said that. Well, I said the world building for the Hunger Games was a bit stodgy last episode, so <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. I know, but the fact that you said that this is better in at least one aspect. Once you cut off the beginning waffle, that's when the world building starts being good. And it only gets better. Yes. We spoke about how the maze was cut out of the film in Me Before You. Yeah. Which scene would you would you say had to be in a Red Rising adaptation? Well, there are like the three favourite scenes that I have. So there's the flogging, which is the turning point to his life, um, which I think would involve the singing, EO singing. Um, that has to be in it, I think. But then there's the makeover, Mickey's makeover. That, I, 
I want to say that has to be in it, but I that's actually got a problem of its own. Um, it has. Uh, I think they probably montage that as well. I quite like how detailed it was in the book, but I think in the film they'd have to cut that down. I loved it up until it got a bit too much, but also um, it it just fit, makes him feel less like him it feels like we're starting off with a new character and I know it's like him starting off with a new body and it reflects how he feels but it does feel a bit like we've lost something in the story and it's not going to come back because they've taken everything from you've talked about the flogging you've talked about Mickey so what's your third scene because you said you have three yeah um well, my favourite scene being the the cave where they he sings to her. All of my favourite scenes have to be, like, have to involve the singing. All of the scenes that have to stay in. And no, it's not going to be a musical if I directed. <laughs> just, just <laughs> jazz hands. Like reds and golds. <laughs> just a crazy <laughs> bunch of reds and golds. <laughs> so what about you? What would be... um? your scene in Red Rising that you keep? I I want to see Severo's passage. Oh, that sounds dirty. Severo would, <laughs> would, he would approve then. But you know, like, Darrow has to kill Julius. So he has to kill him in order to earn his, earn his keep in the Institute. Yeah. But the fact is, the big dude... I can't remember his name. Chet. <laughs> or the one that everyone's like, oh, he's got the best marks. He's the biggest and the strongest looking. And he's the a one that knob. Was, the one that was meant to win. Yeah, everyone had their bets placed on this dude. And then he doesn't make it through. When everybody gets up the next morning and they're all like, whoa, we just killed someone. Everyone's like, where's the big dude? But nobody knows who took him out because they're not talking about it, are they? Yeah, that, that's um, a good point. I, depending on if the movie had had a had a focus on um, more than one character, so Severo, if it followed Severo and it followed uh, Darrow, I really like that. I can I the reason I've gone quiet is because I can see Severo's episode playing out in my head and how it would start from him going through the passage and then have bits of him being like alone in the woods. And watching them and, and plotting he brings the howlers together because none of them are the perfect gold lots of really good twists in this book as well though um spoilers to anyone who hasn't read them because these are actually really big twists mustang being jackal's sister and you thought um, she was she was teaming up with him i mean Everyone thought she was teaming up with him. Yeah. Um, But then there's the other one. There's the other twist. Titus being a red. And Mm -hmm. old janky Billiams being a... Fitchner. But he makes Hamish look look like a role model, doesn't he? So what's your favourite character? I think we all know who my favourite character is. Well, I mean, we've been talking about him long enough. I love Severo. I just love him so much. He's absolutely yes. hilarious. And I like the fact that between Mustang, Darrow and Severo, 
they can outwit almost all the golds because they don't think like golds. Well, the they do they stuff do... that's disgusting, and they they aren't too proud to do something just because. Yes. Oh, I'm a gold. I can't do that. Everyone's but, playing uh, by the gold handbook, and they're they're mixing it up. But a lot, <laughs> a lot of the golds weren't acting like golds by the end. Come on. Well, you know what I mean, like entitled and. Would they have thought to hide themselves in dead horses alone? Well, that's gross. Exactly. <laughs> Most people wouldn't because that's disgusting. Okay, so that's me and my boy Severo. So who's your favourite? Okay, so you... Um, I don't know how you'll feel about this. Darrow at part. No, I really at parts. So, I'm not judging you for liking Darrow because I do like Darrow. He's just not Severo for me. But I thought you hated him. I also hate him at parts. So my best parts, all of those scenes where he's like singing, getting flogged, um, all the fun stuff, <laughs> <laughs> and all the worst parts are when you know. When he's being all ha fastest finger fast. <laughs> <laughs> there were some bits where I was really concerned about his morals, like the way he kind of justified to Mustang what we do to our slaves is our business. Like, that's not a good thing to say. You could just clear this all up by saying, yeah, he don't speak for me. Yeah, he was still thinking as a gold in that. He he was very much acting still. Like, he thought that he had to pretend, oh, I'm old and everything. And I really like that in Darrow, the struggle that he has between seeing these people as the enemy and actually coming to like them. Darrow needed to, um, needed to be stabbed to grow. Um, it's like he needed to be flogged to grow. He He needed these triggering moments before he could actually learn what he was so just a shame he has to to die to grow he's he's like a bleeding flower (laughs) he is isn't he 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 needs to be planted before he's deadheaded (laughs) (laughs) we may have touched on it a little bit already but who's your worst character well i have a name for him he is called Titus the Turd. Um, I'm with you on that one. I think he deserved to be castrated and then dragged by the back of a horse. He would have done. And it was very interesting that he was Darrow's brother, in a way. Like yeah. He expected to go into this and for them to be on the same page. But he was very much in it for a revenge mission. Yeah. But yeah, I hated Titus as well. Absolutely despised him, but equally despised the jackal. What's your overall opinion on this book then? I know what you're going to say. I love the whole series. I really, really like the books and the characters and the way they grow and change and their relationships with each other. Because I don't think Darrow becomes that likeable until he's got this cast of characters around him. And I like it. I like that Zaru is taking the dregs of society and making them something, but not doing it for that reason. He's doing it because he likes them and they're his friends. 
and screw what golds actually think about them. Oh, that is cute. Mm. But also, he is a bit of a knob. Just, just a little bit. I love listening to it. I love reading it. And I must admit, the first time I read it, I wasn't too sure. But as soon as I heard the audiobook, I loved it. And that doesn't happen often for me. Normally, my opinion stays the same. No, I, I find this book um, a little weak at the start, obviously, because he was overexcited. And then it picked up. Um, it became a, a grand adventure. It would help build his character a little bit more if he had more downtime moments so that you could collect, um, so you could sit down, take stock. I've got to say there was a little bit too much summarising in parts where he's just trying to get that pace up. Yeah, I would definitely have read a bigger book about Red Rising and the Institute. It's a great book. Not spectacular. It's a four-star book in my opinion. But, which is That's still better than I was expecting. That's a lot yeah, better than I was expecting. I gave it five stars. I'm interested to know mm. what are your fan casts for the characters? I have written down some faces because I knew you would uh, ask me. Um, I'm going to go with Fadaro, Brian Decker, and I. You probably don't know who he is, but with a little Google, you'll see. If I it's have just a... Googled, and yes. All right. You you agree? I agree. There's a second picture on on Google with him looking sideways and smiling, and I see that as Gold Darrow. Oh, fantastic. <laughs> I'm so happy. Um, his wife, EO, looks, has similar colouring as him and I think that's what really sold me him for me as Darrow because this is definitely EO to me. She's looks really pixie like and that's how I've always imagined EO just like not frail but just small and, and like little. She's called Ashlyn Franciosi. But I think the next one because you told me about this and this is the whole reason I wanted to bring up your fan cast. I agree with this wholeheartedly. So who yeah. is Mickey? Robert Carlyle. He, he's just perfect. I, see, I would never have thought of him. But now you've said it, that is Mickey to me. Yeah, tiny pervert man <laughs> with his little fingers and a little giggle. That, <laughs> that, that is Mickey. Yeah, it's, um, it's, an in, it's a serious problem. Especially considering what you said about him. I, mean, I wouldn't trust him with Dara being unconscious. I'm just saying. I agree. And then we have our favourite. Our, our dear sweet Pax. Little now, Pax. Yeah, he reminds me of... Um, well, there's... It's specifically... Evan Park. I just... It's him in my head. Because you were talking about hit, uh, Pax today and I was like, oh my God. Oh my God, it's him. So, yeah. That's my I agree. Cast. Really? Yeah, I can see him being Pax. And then his dad can be the actor of the dude in the green mile. Because <laughs> he does look like that. It's the cheekbones. It's definitely the cheekbones. Cavax would, he'd be perfect. Absolutely perfect. And if you read it, it, you're going to love him. I, I'm going to make a gift set so um, anyone on Tumblr 
can check that out when I'm done. Yes, because I am on board with these fan casts. Sometimes I look at fan casts and I'm like, oh dear. Not yours, just in general. So now I think it's time for our quiz. Which we totally planned beforehand. Reds and golds, reds and golds, reds and golds. I this is strange. I don't think I normally introduce the quiz or activity, do I? But this mm. time we may have forgotten to prepare. So shall we get on with the quiz? Yes. So little description. We are, were very unprepared, so I just googled Red Rising quiz. <laughs> <laughs> found one on playbars and was like we can do this then it's which red rising which character are you in red rising first question i would have lived in peace but my enemies brought me war okay so how will i survive the war i wouldn't fight in a war i would bring the war to the doors of my enemies yeah last one i'll let my enemies fight between themselves and then i shall rise victorious i'm scouting yeah, I will scout for enemy houses and plan a siege on the weakest house. It makes now nah, I just wait. I'm one of those skeevy little guys who just goes soon, soon. <laughs> <laughs> I am Darwin's scythe, nature scraping away the chafe. What's your weapon? So we have my voice, um, a sling blade, my personality. Also, if you listen to us regularly, um, bow and arrow. Dagger, tech, grab boots, grab shield, etc. Fear or sword? My answer would be... Mm, let's say bow and arrow. It's the more practical option. Yeah, I'm going to go with my personality. People say I'm yeah. scary, but I don't think I'm that scary. So, live for more. What do your friends think of you? <clears throat> this is dangerous. As, as our friends are here... <laughs> our only friends. That sounds so sad. <laughs> Cunning, stoic, calm, caring, clever, kind, charismatic, or loyal. Oh, they're really nice. They are quite nice, aren't they? Lots of C's in there as well. What do you think? This is the one I'm going to let you answer for me. I think you're quite clever out of all of those. (laughs) Right, so you are both cunning and stoic. You're not really calm, you're boiling underneath, but... I put on a good stoic, front, don't I? Yeah. I, I agree with you on stoic. All right. Stoic and clever. Uh, me clever, you stoic. <laughs> <laughs> I am the reaper and death is my shadow. What do you think of yourself? Oh, here we go. How interesting. Yeah, very interesting. So we'll go with whatever the, <laughs> we disagreed with. So I'm going to go loyal. I'm going to go with kind. Good. All right, so how will you feel after you've killed someone? Wow, that got dark. (laughs) It did. (laughs) If the person deserved to die, I'm fine with it. But if I took an innocent's life, I would feel terrible. I would feel disgusted with myself. The person I kill will haunt my dreams forever. I just killed someone, so what? People can die, people were born, it's life. I would never take anyone's life. Oh dear. If it was a computer game, if a person deserved to die, I'm fine with it. But if I took an innocent's life, I'd feel terrible. But... I know that I am incredibly guilty. (laughs) Like, I feel guilty for feeling guilty. I'm pretty sure if if I had a knife to my throat and someone said, or a a gun to my head and someone said, kill someone, 
in a situation like a, this, I would probably kill someone. But I would probably feel like have the hauntings of it forever. So let's think of it like this. If we killed Titus, somebody that really deserved to die, would we still feel bad about it afterwards? No, I'd be absolutely happy. I would, But I would drag out that death as long as possible. Castrate him, cut him up a bit, drag him behind some horses. Oof, I'd have some fun. Oh, that makes me sound like a psycho. <laughs> but Titus was evil. Titus was evil. I, I think if the person deserved to die, I'd be fine with it. I'd probably feel bad later. I really want to go with the psychopath route simply because that's not your route. We've but... chosen differing answers so far, though. Well, in this situation, no, I would definitely not want to get Titus. So I'm going to go with the one that I actually feel like I would. And I'm saying if the person deserved to die, like Titus, I would have fun with it. If the person didn't, I would absolutely just oh, I'd kill myself with guilt. OK, so... Which low colour are you? Are you a brown? Servants in homes, business and social institutions. An obsidian, a monstrous race bred only for war. <laughs> Red, the unskilled manual labourers, conditions brutal environs. Or a pink, unparalleled in beauty, they are bred and trained for the physical arts of pleasure. Definitely not pink. <laughs> no, you really don't want to be a pink. So I'm, I'm going to say I'm red. I want to Surrounded. be an obsidian, but I don't think well, I have the battle rage for it. I feel like you're capable of being an obsidian. If you had the training, I feel like you could be military. Oh, the next question is which mid-colour are you? Blue. Pilots and astro-navigators bred, bred to cruise starships. Orange. Provides system support on starships and all manner of mechanical enterprises. Boring. Green. Programmers and developers of technology. My dad! Um, <laughs> Violet, creative class of artists, musicians and performers Well, it's creative class, I'd probably go with that one Yellow Get the extra fingers as well Ew <laughs> uh, <laughs> Alright, Amberlynn um, Yellow, experts in human and natural scientists, sciences, doctors, psychologists and scientists Grey, police and military personnel I think I'm going to be a yellow I am going to be a violet Oh, what high colour are you? Okay, so we have copper, administrators, lawyers and bureaucrats. You. Golds, the fiercely intelligent rulers of humanity. Me. Silver, innovators, financiers and businessmen. Definitely not me. White, priests and priestesses who oversee the ritual functions of society. Christ, no. Um, <laughs> the only one I can think of is gold. I want to be gold as well. Ooh, I like the last question. Which one of your or one of these quotes do you like? Rise to high in Majulai. <laughs> Man cannot be freed by the same injustice that enslaved it. Ooh. Mm. Love and war are two different battlefields. Love is a battlefield. <laughs> Break the chains. Come on, everyone uses that. Sorry. Mm. Uh, uh, the measure of a man is what he does when he has power. Sharpened by hate. Oh, <laughs> Had too much coffee. I was about to say straightened. Sharpened <laughs> by hate, strengthened by love. Funny thing, watching God realise they've been mortal all along. Well, those dudes weren't actually gods, were they? Steel is power, money is power, but all the 
of all things in all worlds, words are power. That's a bit cumbersome, that quote. I like the second one. Man cannot be freed by the same injustice that enslaved it. I like What's that your one favorite? as well. All the measure of a man is what he does with power. Okay, right, I'm going to choose it. We ready? Okay, one, two, three. Oh! Oh my god! <laughs> oh my god! Who did you get? I got Mustang. I got Darrow! <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic! Right. Mustang is known for her genius level intellect and a high IQ. She is seen as something of a visionary at her age among the golds and shows a great skill for politics. She has keen political instincts and is willing to befriend, charm and work with others well, winning friends and allies easily. She's also very loyal to her family, even when they don't demonstrate the same in return. Mustang does her best to ensure the strength and safety of her family. Actually, yeah, no, Mustang is you. You are Mustang. I'm really pleased with that. Okay, your turn. Okay. <laughs> this is not going to describe me at all, but when you read the story, I, I guess. Darrow is a charismatic leader capable of winning friends and allies with his considerable force of personality. Okay, this is true. I have a considerable force of personality. It's not necessarily in a good way. <laughs> um his bold nature and skill at delivering speeches wins him the admiration and loyalty of many. He can make rash decisions without considerations for others at time. Aw. But he comes to learn from his mistakes and becomes a strong leader. He is willing to make great risks to achieve his goals. Reds and golds. We're just a oh. bunch of crazy reds and golds. <laughs> so did you have as much fun as we did with Red Rising? We've got a lot of great episodes coming this fall, starting with a Halloween special and then our next joint read, The City We Became. I don't know why we said fall, we're English. Anyway, just a heads up, we'll be reducing the number of pods we put out each month. Sorry about that, fellas. The episodes will still be released once a month as schedule, scheduled, but we'll be reducing our minisodes to one minisode a month because of scheduling purposes and it means that we can get a backlog started. <laughs> why not find us on tumblr and instagram about bloody time pod where amy has free reigns do damage and we have a twitch at about bloody time <laughs>